friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend who can't hear Jimi Hendrix and co-host. Hmm? Just kidding. It's Alex Dandino. <laughs> oh, visual bits on an audio podcast. Killing it. Oh, he well, never I, makes five in a row. <laughs> I got the audio in there. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we keep love fighting each other, uh, some business. Guys, please take a second right now. Stop what you're doing and do it now. Please. Uh, yeah, please. Come on, guys. Please, please. Uh, leave us a five star. Leave us a rating and review or in some form. Do all of those things. Five stars, couple sentences on why you like spending time with us. Helps us defeat the algorithmic overlords wherever you find the podcast. So thank you for those of you who've been doing that. We appreciate it. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel Film Alchemist uh, where we have video versions of these podcasts and other fun stuff we're working on. So go over there. You can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on any of the social media you're on. We're probably there too. We really like Twitter, at film underscore alchemist. That's a great way for you to tell us movies you want us to talk about. New, old, double features. If you have a theme for an entire month, guest host, if you want to hear us talk about it, we would love to do that. So help us out, guys. We actually already have uh, listener selections for the next time we do that. So Exciting. we do hear them. We do read everything, guys. So thank you again for that. All right. This month, the pod's got a madness. And the only cure is basketball. I mean, or basketball could be the the poison in the well, as it were, in this movie. White men can't jump. Uh, the lovable tale of two pretty lovable guys that are kind of hapless losers, but at least they play some basketball and they end up maybe worse than they started. Uh, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I think, but I think that's eight. Hey, that's not a shot. I think that's a great testament to what the movie achieves. I mean, Alex, true, open us up on white men can't jump. <laughs> well, to be honest with you, the question is answered within the first five minutes. No, no, they cannot. White men cannot jump. In fact, <laughs> <laughs> well, no. I mean, I think we can all agree. Let's just clear this up before Twitter goes at us. Woody Harrelson is a Mary Sue. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> There's absolutely oh, no chance in hell he dunked that ball at the end. No, not he a shot. some preternatural forces. We got to call gotta call it even. Yeah. Twitter loves to know who's a Mary Sue. Woody Harrelson in this Woody Harrelson in White Men Can't Jump is a Mary Sue. Oh, man. Uh, look, White Men Can't Jump is a little weird. It's a little off our repertoire, I think. Um, this whole month kind of is. It's fascinating because we keep yeah. watching these movies that are like this – sort of falls in the same breadth of Teen Wolf where it's like one of those movies where you're like, oh, it's like a comedy. And yet there are these like sort of serious things that are almost happening, but then not really that serious. And you are just sort of stuck with this like band of lovable losers, so to speak. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> it's charming. That's like, I think the biggest, that's the biggest yeah. takeaway you get from White Men Can't Jump is like, even though like for me, Woody Harrelson is the biggest scumbag in this movie. <laughs> you think worse than 
Yeah, I guess he is worse than he's Wesley. He's so much worse. Like, Wesley Snipes has... Wesley at least is trying to take care of he's his trying family, to take right? Care he of has a method to what he's That's going. the thing. There's a method to Wesley Snipes' madness, which is why he's not nearly as bad as Woody Harrelson, who literally He knows when just, to stop for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Woody Harrelson is like... A uh, is like a guy at like a guy who's going full tilt at the fucking poker table. Like he literally cannot stop himself, and it's infuriating to watch. But again, lovable losers. You got to root for him. I'm rooting for him the entire time. That's what makes it a great basketball movie in its own right. Yeah, he's kind of like uncut Midwestern gyms, right? That's kind of what this movie's like for me in a way. <laughs> where he's just kind of bouncing around and he just constantly keeps fucking up. He in This is one of those Cannot things get out like, of his own way. It's weird. I watch horrible horror movies and science fiction and documentaries all day. And I can cope with that. These really uncomfortable comedy moments though. They're the cringiest I get. This movie is one of those where it's so sad. I just want to turn it off a lot and it doesn't feel like it. Cause the movie is based essentially on, right? This is just kind of, I mean, I guess Tango and cash is kind of like this too, right? These two great actors, these two great characters, they obviously have a lot more charisma together than Kurt Russell, just schlupping whatever <laughs> Stallone was doing in that movie up the hill. Right. 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 And, Harrelson and Snipes together are just fucking magic. Yes. And then we just kind of get this weird odyssey through this kind of basketball subculture. And again, this is another one of those movies. We picked all basketball movies this month and it's barely a sports movie at, at its core. But I would say this has the most interesting use of basketball in the movies we've watched so far. Um, I think we talked about it here, right? The, the theory of fight scenes are meant to be filmed like it's an argument with your fist, right? Right. So every punch and throw should be helping you learn or tell narrative. I think the way they use basketball in this is really fascinating. One, it's just fun basketball to watch, which you don't see in a lot of basketball movies. Yeah. But they do a really good job of you feel like you're learning a lot about Woody and Wesley in how they play the game. Right. And even when we see Wesley changing his game, right, that's very telling. I thought they did an exceptional job with the basketball in this movie. I agree. I mean, I think that's what's great about this movie, too, is that street ball being like the real star. Like, I, I, you know, we've talked we talked about this on the Teen Wolf thing. Uh, Gus Macker, man. I remember watching Gus those. Gus Macker. Like, that's all I thought about this movie. I know. That's I remember watching those. two. I remember watching. I remember playing. Like I remember those two <laughs> on twos, the three on threes. Like, it's fun to play those smaller. It's fun to play those smaller um smaller squad games and that's really kind of like what i like about white men can't jump is it brings you into not only like a subculture of the sport itself that you maybe have not been associated with yet but also puts a whole nother level of game on there like it's like when you think about the harlem globe trotters you think a lot about pranks and that kind of thing but those guys are all very skilled basketball players so oh, for yeah. me this is like to me like the level of Harlem Globetrotter basketball players that are we're not going to do stupid corny jokes, but we will do is talk shit and be monumentally yeah. awesome at basketball. Well, I've actually played on the Venice court. I mean, you know, I used to be a pretty big baller. I once dumped <laughs> brag, a tennis ball. Brag. I was pretty oh, legit. Venice court, yeah. huh? Were you playing for the Whites in American History X or what was? The <laughs> How fucking dare you! <laughs> how dare you oh you set yourself no. up griff how could i not take that what how dare you 
As a half Middle Eastern American, I am horrendously offended at your <laughs> at your yokes that you're dropping on me right now. No, but anyways, go ahead. anyways, once I can get out of Alex's judgmental glare, good lord. No, <laughs> but I just say, I <laughs> there there is a a coolness and a sadness to this, right? Because the thing that I was left with in this movie, and I like what the movie really dives into pretty fast, is it shows you the the real world life of these guys. Cause there is a thing you start watching the movie and there are certain points in the movie where you'll see like children in the background. And again, I've gone to some of these courts and played and you're just like, this is a recreational place where you would think kids would be playing basketball. Right. But the thought that these grown men take the courts over, don't let kids play and then don't let other grown men play so they can gamble two on two games and shit. There is a, a patheticness to what they're doing, right? right to yeah. that you guys are literally betting what a way to put all it. of your life's what it's like you're betting like they even say, right? Where it's like, is that your rent money, right? When they right. play the guy for seventeen hundred bucks. Yep. And you're like, fuck, like that makes me nervous. Like I, I'm not a gambler by nature. And you're like, holy shit, that's a lot of money. And you're like, the fact that it's happening in this childish game in this childish court and it doesn't like, even if you win, like, you'll get the money, but it's not – there's no prestige to this. Right. There's no – it's it's just – It's a hustle. But this That's is it. what I it, – but it gets back to what we talked about in He Got Game, right, which is, yeah, it's – the world might kick your ass, and you might not be, you know, knocking down every door in the world, right? Right. But a basketball court and sports in general is somewhere where you can really compress your life. And again, there's one guy or in this movie, two guys I got to beat and I can do that. I can be the best right here. Right. Right. Like I won't be Michael Jordan, but I can like the one when they're talking about at the end of the movie, they're like, oh, uh, King and Duck are back. And I was like, oh, boy, King and Duck, two grown men with such stupid fucking names. Are back. <laughs> but you're like, but again, that matters because when the world doesn't let you be what you want to be you fucking force an identity right. where you can be proud of yourself and you know it right. is kind of a cool a cool place you sit in in the movie well and i think that's what's interesting about like woody harrelson's character billy his niche is essentially hustling his niche is essentially hustling black players thinking he's a terrible white guy at basketball and yeah. that's the gag and it's weird because again, there's not a lot of, I mean, it's strange. Like he got game in this movie. Both have this sort of like this one much more has this like really important undertone of like what actually is like Woody Harrelson has that moment uh, where he's talking about being in the zone and literally he's, he's like, tries telling Wesley Snipes that he's being racist. Like, no dude, you are absolutely wrong, incorrect here. <laughs> but well, it, there but, is a, a huge running problem with the movie, which is, I can't imagine anywhere in this movie where Woody Harrelson shows up and they're like, oh, I sniffed this out a mile away. Yeah. I, this no, is see, an that's, absolute I fucking the same thing is like, because at the very beginning when they're like, yeah, he's just some goofy white chump. I'm like, how he obviously is setting you up. How do you not smell the setup from a mile away? Like, yeah, no, well, that, and, but that's really fun, though, because we say that and then they use it in the film against him. Right. Exactly. Right? So it, it's, it, it is clever in how they do it. It is. And then you get to see Sydney kind of pull the same griff on Billy, which is, again, it's 
little taste of your own medicine kind of deal. But I really do think that that's what's fun about Billy's character is his supposition that absolutely no one would think he'd be a talented basketball player or any good at all, other than not being able to dunk, as we find out. Um, that plays so well that it almost undercuts all of the kind of like terribleness that maybe comes with saying like, well, I'm a white guy that absolutely no one would think would be good at basketball, but here I am. And it makes it that much more entertaining. I mean, it is Woody Harrelson too. And he's just a great actor, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> that, that first scene kills me every time, man. I always forget that that's like how the movie starts. But like when he's literally just sitting there and fucking hustles Sydney like that, there's something like when he just, and also I don't know any court anywhere where you would be able in the middle of like a free throw, like walk up to someone and just talk, like breathe on them. I think I would have punched, I would have punched someone. It's a big subculture, the trash talking. That's like a huge part of it. Big part. Of again, the I used to go, I used to hang out on Venice a lot and I wouldn't play much, but I would watch a lot of those. And like, that is a huge, it, it's the game within the game. Can you get right? that close? My God. I mean, I didn't see a lot of, a lot of it was just games. I didn't see them like, Hey, every other 30 guys stop. No one else can play while we do a fucking <laughs> jump shooting contest. So that's a bit right, misleading, right. but right. Uh, but that's what I mean. That opening scene is just Woody Harrelson kind of strutting up, sleeping on the court, right? Right. His house now. And when it just gets with him, it's just it's just a fucking beautiful. So he walks up kind of all cool and swagger. You can tell what's going to happen, right? Then we follow Wesley as he's just trash talking everyone. Yeah. Uh, it's hard work to make uh, to make you look so bad, right? I'm the best. Right. We hear Woody tell the, the singers he's the best, right? It's this really cool collision course because you just see these guys that both have the same frame of mind and how differently they go about it. Mm -hmm. And it, it is just one of those perfect combinations from the moment they start trash talking each other to the moment they start. Right. That classic line. Everyone I've ever played basketball with says that I never make two in a row. Oh, I never make three. <laughs> you know, like we it's all it's it's iconic because those two, it really is just a perfect pairing. An yeah. absolute perfect pairing. Yeah, they are. They play off each other so well. Both. I mean, again, I don't do. I didn't do a lot of research on how, where they learned who trained them for the, um, who trained them for the movie. But not only, I think it's interesting to watch because they are very good on the court together. Yeah. And, and you know, this is beyond cutting or editing or anything like that. They're both just talented on the court together, and I think you can see how that feeds into their performance really well. It's. It's yeah. weird because it's not something we think about a lot in basketball movies like that is that this is like being good at the sport you're pretending to be good at in a movie makes you the better actor with your fellow yeah. actor. But it factors in there pretty heavily. It's kind of it's 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 fascinating to watch, honestly, because as they get yeah. and this is also goes to just like them as actors. But as they get more comfortable with each other and as they start doing these two on two tournaments and that kind of thing they become better with each other than they were like they get progressively better with each other which is really fascinating to watch because yeah you wouldn't think that's something like that's something that i subtly picked up on that i don't think otherwise i would have noticed but you know we're that's mainly because we're doing this pod but it's really fascinating to watch that kind of thing happen well and that's like, right, just, like that's weird to think of that as acting to be honest well when you. you watch teen wolf and you're like every character with a name cannot shoot a basketball 
it's strange. It's really weird, right? Yes. It's like when you watch Eastbound and Down the first time, you're like, oh, fuck, Kenny Powers can't throw a baseball. <laughs> like, he, he throws like my three-year-old. Like, yes. he cannot throw a baseball. And it is. It's just one of those. It, it builds into the – maybe that's why this basketball is a little more fun to watch than some of the movies we've seen is because you can actually see some skill, right? And it, right. it helps you fall into that believability, man. Yeah. I don't – I don't – there are some strange things in this film. <laughs> there are? Yeah. There's a lot. Like, again, this is another one of those weird. It's uh, a, the movie just decides at the end that the guys aren't going to learn anything. They're kind of hopelessly caught in this subculture. What did you make of the mafia subplot? Weird. <laughs> I, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting you bring it up because like. I had completely like I think I the last time I saw yeah. this movie I think I was in college and it, I had completely forgotten about all of it like <laughs> wiped from my memory I'm like oh well can't people just be poor and want money like why do we have to throw the gambling debt in it I mean I guess like I mean I get like but also they gave the worst where it's like she bought a shitty car so they're gonna kill him to pay for it oh and he threw a game that or he was supposed to throw a game but they called him a a honky who can't score. Right. Which <laughs> was deserved. But you know, like it's one of the it's one of those weird things though where like cuz I love Rosie Perez in this movie. Like she's fucking amazing. Yeah. I mean, she's off the charts awesome. But it's really fascinating in this movie because for me again, it feels like a weird like gamble the gambling thing the the gambling debt to the mob feels like this weird shoehorn thing into explain why billy is so willing to risk all the time and like for me when i see that like for me i don't think you even need that it's exactly like what we talked about with he got game with the mila jovovich hooker subplot it's this weird thing where essentially you don't need this to understand this character any further you need that first scene where he's willing to put himself out there to like, not only that, like hustle. I would even go further. Like the next, that other scene where they were playing um, Raymond, who literally like goes to his car to get his gun to shoot these guys because they essentially hustled him. Like, yeah, that is a great example of like, that is enough of a risk there. I don't need to, all I need to know is that he's a risk taking person. I don't need to know that he, I don't need to think he's got a gambling debt or anything like that. Risk taking alone is what costs you. So it's interesting that you would even put that in the movie because to me, it's not necessarily that it doesn't work. It just adds a layer that's kind of unnecessary in a lot of ways. Oh, no, it doesn't work. Like it's because <laughs> it, they just randomly show up. It has yeah. nothing to do with the movie. It does work at the end. They have that amazing final bit where he poses for the fake Polaroid. <laughs> and they're like, finally, we can go back to Satriali's or whatever it is. <laughs> And you're like, that's a great, that's a great bit that's worth it in the end. Right. But this is the thing, right? They have it already in the story, right? So Denzel's his wife's like, I want this house, right? It's However, w you Wesley do it. Snipes, not Denzel, or Wesley Snipes. Sorry, I was thinking of he got game. Yeah, I, I want this house, right? That's your motivation, right? He's right. doing it because he wants a better life for his family. Makes perfect sense. Woody Harrelson's story is actually a lot more interesting, right? They're just these kind of this down and out couple trying to make like the first time we see him hustle, he comes back with sixty two dollars. Yeah. And you're like, that's not really that much for the thought that you could get your fucking ass beat out there and yeah. end up in the ER. Exactly. And so you see this kind of like they're living fast, right? 
They they have this intense love affair, and you know every dollar is going to count. We're living our way. When he comes back, right, the scene that actually is pretty emotionally gutting and works really well is when Woody's like, I can jam it. And he's like, you can't. You absolutely can't. Mm -hmm. And then we go out and we realize he can't jam it. We know he can't jam it. Wesley knows he can't jam it. He hasn't hit the Mary Sue turn yet. He can't (laughs) jam it. Right? But that scene of I'm going to gamble all this money, right, 2500 bucks to try to prove I can do something I know I can't. And the fact that Wesley would then take that money and be like, well, you fucking want to give me your money? Fine, fuck you. That right there, you're like, that's the emotional stakes of the film. These two guys that... The fact that someone thinks he can't do something that he cannot do is enough for him to throw it on the line. And when he has to go home and tell Rosie Perez as she's trying to you know, seduce this man she loves... Because he did something good for once. That again, again, he fucking lost the money. You're like, that's that's the stakes you need. I don't need the fucking skullduggery brothers running around and just waving guns three times in the movie that add no value. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that scene when he has to tell her again, I lost the money again. It's brutal. It's, brutal. it's fucking Absolutely. brutality. <laughs> I mean, I think that's the thing that is so awesome is I agree. That is the stakes of the movie. I don't need anything else from this movie other than those stakes for Woody Harrelson, which again goes back to why gamble the gambling thing is kind of, the gambling debt to the mob is kind of unnecessary. But like that being the emotional stakes, and it's interesting for a movie like this, like for essentially like love to be the stakes for both these guys, love being the motive, love being the key motivation to earn money should not carry us through the movie and yet it totally does which is kind of interesting because you get the sense that that's why that mob layer was added because oh well no one will buy that those like this guy loves this woman enough and she loves her enough to like say i will fucking leave you if you keep doing this yeah it totally plays through the movie you literally excise the entire mob bit and it still works really well and that's the power of the writing of the story is just I want these two crazy kids to fall to stay together. I don't want them to break up. Like I, I was legit. I'm legitimately sad at the end of the movie when Rosie Perez just like fucking bails, which she oh, totally that, should. I, that was the happiest I was. I mean, the whole I'm not movie. saying she was wrong. Yeah. I'm saying I'm sad because I love Rosie Perez, but that's neither here nor yeah, there. I was like, Woody Harrelson's a super cool guy. I bet. Yes. I bet he's really fun to play basketball with as Billy. Yes. He's the worst. He's terrible. And Rosie Perez is a woman of immense he's, talent. He's a garbage person, and she won fourteen thousand dollars on Jeopardy. So was uh, she was talking about she was gonna rack it up and win eighty. She's beating rocket scientists, right? On. I mean, granted, I guess you could say he got her the spot with his hook shot. So it's still him, yeah, uh, I guess. But does he know foods that begin with the letter Q? Yeah, I other than it. Rosie Perez giving him the fucking Haruchi Mara or whatever from Star Trek, the unwinnable water test, right? That's <laughs> that's not an ideal girlfriend thing, I would say. Oh, but man. I love Jeez. how every time I do that on the show, Star Trek fans get are you ready? I was going to say, are you ready for like the 10 Trekkies who listen to our pod to just like descend upon us? By the way, I've made it very clear where I stand in the Trek Wars war. By the way, I... I know, I know what it is. It's the Kobayashi Maru, just so, you know. Yeah, the hockey chalky Paru. Yeah, so just the br- dumbest fucking invention in the history of science fiction. <laughs> just listen. 
An unwinnable test for space. Trekkies, I at least know it. Don't come down too hard, all right? It's what's fine. What's dumber, the Hachuchi Charcha or the, hey, I'm going to wake you up from a deep sleep to get me a glass of water, and when you do it, I'm going to ambush you with a fight. Oh, my God. That might be the – that might that scene, that moment alone might be the – by the way, nice transition. I'm just going to say that right now. That alone <laughs> might be – the like that might be the maxim for relationships right there of like between you keep <laughs> saying this i so disagree absolutely i so disagree with you that is that is a relate that is relationship thinking right there absolutely that is relationship thing when it comes to communication if you are miscommunicating with your with the person you are with that is exactly why and i think that's what's awesome about that scene is because rosie perez described perfectly what it is why Woody Harrelson and Rosa Perez should not be together in the movie. That's the communication error. They're not the same person. They're not the same brain. That's what the problem is the entire movie. We say Woody Harrelson's a terrible person. Rosie Perez is just as terrible because she's emotionally abusing herself by staying with him. No, that, okay. That, I, I don't take that leap with you. I don't think the heart wants what the heart wants. The, her heart wants an absolute dumpster fire man. Right. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that the theory that she sets up is wrong from its very inception. It's not right. Because, OK, if you want a drink of water and you don't want your partner to try to control you by having to provide water for you, do not wake him up from his deep slumber. Saunter your ass over to get water and then come back and be like, God, it was horrible how thirsty I was. And then if he goes. I don't care. I'm emotionally closed as a fortress. Then you have the fight, right? When she wakes him up from sleep, that's an unwinnable fight. That's a Hakuchimara. <laughs> I'm not saying that that makes sense. What I'm saying is, no, is that it no. is a maxim for communication in a relationship, and it gives you a very clear indicator that they will not last because they do not work together. You're right, the heart wants what the heart wants, but what it is is an early yes. sign within the movie of subtextually that they will not end up together. I think what it's... See, I read it very differently. I thought it was like a 90s thing where they're trying to make her this difficult, crazy girlfriend, so you sympathize more with the guy who is clearly the less than in the relationship. I mean, One, Rosie Perez is just this beautiful, attractive, hilarious lady. And she's a super genius in this. And she keeps him going, right? She's studying her books. She's got everything in this movie. At the end, you're like, I want to be riding the bike while she rollerblades, right? Right. I, I, you know, you can't hold. No I'm not, saying, she I'm not saying Rosie Perez's character in this movie isn't essentially in a situation where she's one of those people who just wants a fixer upper guy. But what I'm saying is, is that what that... <laughs> contained in that roller coasters are fun to ride but they don't get you to work every day that's woody harrelson in this movie agreed what i'm saying is that that scene works because what that scene does and yes it is a quirky 90s thing for no reason other than giving you a fun couple's bit about why they don't communicate very well but subtextually what it's telling you is that these people are not going to wind up together by the end of the movie they can't it's physically impossible for them thematically impossible for them to wind up together by the end of the movie that's what the scene i think when he do. comes back the second time and he's like i've lost all them when we see him lose the money on the fucking stupid dunk contest yes 
it is one of those <laughs> and i made the uncut gems comparison earlier but that is the moment you're like only tragedy that yeah. is the saddest dumbest thing i've seen in a movie in quite some time right it's it's just a scene of absolute it's agony patheticness absolutely it's it's just wallowing in misery it's it's so embarrassing that you just kind of know you're like I know Billy's going to try to win his girl back, right? He gets her on Jeopardy, he sings her a song. But you're like, I know this can't work. And, and to your point earlier, when they're playing at the basketball tournament, right? Mm -hmm. This kind of chance for a big score. And he even, even at that tournament, you can tell he's trying to sabotage himself. His I'm in the zone is the worst zone I've ever been in. <laughs> it's yes. probably worse than being in the watermelon zone at a Gallagher show. Wow. Like, it's the worst zone. It's just Woody Harrelson <laughs> screaming and trying to start just brawls everywhere and yes. being a horrible dick person. Yes. And he's like, I'm in the zone. I'm I helping you. And you see, because I think, I think he wanted to lose that, right? He doesn't want to lose, but he doesn't want to win, right? Maybe this is that weird Rosie Perez analogy she makes that makes no sense. Where it's like, if you win, you actually lose or tie. If you tie, you win or lose. Whatever she says, right? I think they wanted that to make sense in the movie. It doesn't. Uh, what we know is that everything Woody Harrelson does ends in losing. right? <laughs> like, even when he wins his, his uh, round ball games, he's still losing in life. Right? So, I think he's trying to sabotage himself in that moment. It is, it's kind of a weirdly poignant bit to exist in the middle of this movie. Yes. I mean, I don't disagree with you, though. I think the self-sabotage thing is really fascinating because that's this, like, specter that follows Billy throughout the entire movie. Like, well, what? OK, so what do you make of it? Because he has a line with the mob where he goes, uh, they're like, we want to kill you, but not until we get the money. I'm like, oh, so does he gamble the money away so the the Stugatz brothers can't, you know, ice him? And I was like, no, that's not right. I was like, why is Billy just throwing this fucking money? Because, again, that pullover and he does the dunk scene. Everyone in the theater knows he cannot make the dunk right there, right? Within the movie and just on, like, a meta level of storytelling. There's no fucking way he's jamming that ball. And it is brutal to watch. It is absolute brutality. Why does Billy have to do this to himself after winning the money? I think it's it's that form. It's that it's the challenge. It's proving to yourself that you can do it. It's proving that you are as good as you think you are. But I also do think there's a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of self, there's a little bit of self adulation. And you're sitting there wondering like, why is this person able to do something? I can't like, we're just as good as a team. Why can't I do it alone? Like it's the one thing he thinks that it's the one thing in his mind that Wesley Snipes that Sydney has over him is he's like, well, he's the one who can dunk like, we, I can't, like, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Like for a guy who like hustles, all he needed was himself. Now he has to depend on this other person. And not only that, that person can pass him up. He doesn't really need, there's plenty of, there's plenty of other basketball players who don't dunk that could throw Wesley Snipes the ball. So to me is a little bit of codependency going, there's a lot of weird psychological things happening in that scene alone. But I think it's a little bit of codependency. I think it's a little bit of like obviously he's got the gambler's mind, so he's, you know, he feels he feels hot. That's part of it. He thinks he's in the zone, whatever that is. 
He's never in the zone. See, I think that day he knows he's not in the zone. I think he's trying. I wondered if it was like one of those weird things where like, I think I do the joke with my wife all the time. Like, oh, when you get your next husband. And I think there's a part of me that some days is like, man, my wife really deserves a better husband. <laughs> right. You know? but see, that's... Like, I make that joke with her all the time. And I'm like, man, she really could like upgrade. But fast. see, that's like the self. <laughs> that's that self-deprecation. Like, that's different, though. Like. You and I both do that to our wives. That's self-deprecation. But I'm saying, Obviously, do you we... think Woody's trying to chase her away? In a he way, He has yeah. to know what the end result of that's going to be. I think be. he knows that he's bad. Like, that's the other thing, too, is, like, Billy knows he is yeah. not a decent person. So he's trying he to... He wants to free her. He wants to save her in some form or another, but he can't help himself. He loves this person. Like you said, heart wants what the heart wants, and she functions roughly the same way. It's tragedy. It's... Tr it's like the least tragic form of tragedy, which is like, well, we won't be in love anymore, but I don't have the mob chasing after me because it's fucking asshole. So, you know. It's the scene when Sydney shows up, right? And you know that, because that's kind of a funny turn when he finds Sydney again and Sydney's like, ah, oh, you're my cross to bear. We're buddies. Let's go. As he's about to close a deal at the Taqueria. Yeah. And you're like, Okay, so he's really still attached to this, right? And then Wesley gets robbed. That's kind of a brutal, horrible thing, too. Yes, terrible. And he wants to get that house still. So you get why Sydney's back, right? Sydney's like, I fucking cashed you in for Jeopardy. You need to help me out, right? He could talk to Rosie in that moment. Gloria, right? After yes. They just had that awesome sex right they're just living their life they're out biking and rollerblading right they're living the 90210 opening credit life in that moment why not talk to her and just be like hey sydney's family got robbed right he needs god what were they saying it was like they need 2500 to enter yeah. so 5000 to win period she was just gave woody two grand right Right. Why not just say, hey, man, I'll give you my half right now. Here's three grand. Thank you for helping get us on Jeopardy. Uh, we're good. I don't want to gamble. Watching Woody run away to talk to him in private. She has that great line, too. She's like, oh, what is this? A dick measuring thing? Can I watch? Right. She's like loving life. She's really happy right now. Right. He walks away because he knows Sydney is going to ask him to fucking ruin his relationship. And he so willingly does it. That it is absolutely the fucking worst. It made me want to fucking knock all his teeth into his throat. And then when Rosie has that amazing moment where she's just like, I love you. Goodbye. I was just screaming at the TV. I was like, you fucking loser. <laughs> like you have it all. You fucking loser. But isn't that kind of what like is wrong with you? He's so a, you can go fight Duck and Mongoose or whatever, Duck and King, whatever Duck their fucking King. names were. That's But that to me is like the – that's the peren, that's the perennial loser. Like that's what Billy That's the is. sickness. That's, that's the, the sickness. Well, now, because this movie was made before we kind of were a little more understanding of gambling being a, you know, kind of sickness, a mental illness of sorts. Right. But that's – but then there's also it's this brutal. other form of gamble. Like that's the kind of thing is like Billy gambles with everything. There's not a single thing in his life that Billy's not willing to gamble, which includes his relationship. And that's and that's another thing, too, is like taunting his relationship by constantly fucking up and losing money, constantly getting having problems like that. 
that is another form of gambling. It's, it's something that, and that's why like toward, that's why at the end when he literally just, when he asks Sydney for like a real job, so to speak. Yeah. He wasn't sad enough about it. And that pissed me off. Right. And he then, was not sad but, enough that he lost Rosie Perez. That made me furious. He asked for the real job, but he's still, but you know, then they go do that, like, you know, Rocky and, uh, yeah. you know, Rocky and Creed thing where they go out and play on yeah. the court together. But Rocky and Apollo, when they're frolicking in the surf and tank tops, they've achieved things. They've montaged right. the success. Exactly. The end of this That's movie the problem. Is, hey, we're both just fucking, Woody Harrelson, you're like, we're each other's cement shoes. We're like a cement fucking 69 yin yang of destruction hey silhouette but it's like that, oh my god you just freeze framed on this horrific future for these two men right they're terrible they're horrible people sydney well, will probably is, be demonstrably better off he'll be fine he's better because at least he has real jobs but he, he also he, has like yeah, six he jobs. knows when to stop like that's i think the he difference. has real skills like carpentry and shit. but see like asking woody asking for <laughs> a real job you know it's just a, he doesn't want to fuck he doesn't want he's not gonna do that no, he wants to hang around so that when he needs a fix, he's got his running buddy. Exactly. This is the thing that was kind of cool, though, that scene, because Rosie Perez leaves him and it is a fucking gut punch. Right. Yeah. And then uh, we see the the Stugatz brothers running around, whatever. When they cut from him just absolutely losing Rosie Perez, mm -hmm. the woman he claimed mattered why he's in all this mess. Right. <laughs> I got to get her back. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> when they cut to the big game. Right. It's the most anticlimactic <laughs> sports moment I've ever seen in a movie. Yes. Where they just cut to some court. The guys they're playing don't look insanely tall. They don't look insanely buff or athletic. They're just two normal dudes, right? And they just cut to mid-game. There's no final, oh, this is the, oh, it's back and forth. Oh. It's just kind of like a normal basketball game. Yeah. And then they're like, game point. And Mary Sue takes off and dunks it, <laughs> right? Yes. And then you're like, that's it? That's the whole final? He lost Rosie Perez for this fucking... So he could dunk. I mean, there wasn't even like the scared white guy who's like, pay him and get oh out of here God. before we lose You could content, make the right? argument that losing Rosie Perez was the extra weight holding him down. And therefore, he could dunk. <laughs> once he was, once he decided to become full scumbag, he was able to dunk. He's on like, his now own. that I can get a full night's sleep without having to argue about who's thirsty, <laughs> I'm free. Yeah. That's he just takes. He wakes up in the morning, gets himself water, and he's like, anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> yep, there it is. Yeah, I mean, when you put it that way. Pfft. No, I'd so I'd rather not dunk and have yeah, Rosie. I would Perez. rather not dunk and have Rosie Jeopardy Perez every day and twice Rosie. on Sunday. <laughs> it's it's a weird it's a weird movie though, man. Most movies want you to kind of see a bright future a little bit. But again, this gets back to the kind of the stupidity of the entire premise of this. What are they fighting and battling for? They beat Duck and King and like fifteen people see it. 200 people hear about it and they make two extra grand like, it's just sad, it's sad man it's just sad it's sad it's not even a good it's hustle sad. at the end of the day i think that's no but that's but it, it does get back to this why woody's constantly failing is because i think it's that fix right it doesn't matter if they're famous or super rich for that one moment two other guys know we're better than you Right. And I think that's the fun of the gotcha hustle, too. 
is because you let them think they're better than you and then you fucking smack them down. So there is this just shrinking, because this is the weird movie where all of these movies have pretty low stakes, right? Right. I mean, and he got game. Denzel's just going back to jail, right? Same right. as he was. You could say that's a big stake. I don't really think it is. Wherever Jesus goes, he's going to be fine and make money. Yeah. In Teen Wolf, you're like, he's still. I'm pretty sure a there were. I'm pretty sure there were no the suburbs. In Teen Wolf. Yeah, he's a rich white kid in the suburbs. He'll be fine. Who looks like Michael J. Fox in Nebraska? He's short, but he'll be fine. Yeah, he's fine. Right. And this one, you're like, this is the one movie where they kind of point out the silliness of basketball being important to these two guys and show you them basketball just crumbling their actual real lives it was a way darker trip into the the basketball madness than i imagined good lord well i suppose it's interesting like we've pointed out all these like dark dark pieces that really end up in the movie with <laughs> him being a total like billy's a total bastard sydney's all right but you know he's like recoverable of course, this ends up being, and I don't know if you know this, one of Stanley Kubrick's favorite movies ever. Is it really? Yes, it is. It was reported. Probably because of the dark American carnage underneath. <laughs> I think that's probably what it was. I think maybe, yeah, it, was, he's maybe it was an like, inspiration oh, for that AI. that scene when the family got robbed. <laughs> Just love <loving life. laughs> I could say that I could maybe I should rewatch AI now, knowing that the, that white men can't jump was Stanley Kubrick's favorite movie. But that's I mean, in a weird way that that undertone because this is one of the we've been talking about it as a story this and that. It's hard sometimes to do a deep dive on comedies because you're just like, yeah, this movie's really funny. If you yeah. don't think it's funny and it's not your sense of humor, I don't know what to tell you. These guys are fantastic together. The comedy's great. The spark is there. Right. Right. The situations are rife with, you know, conflict, which leads to tragedy and comma, all that shit. That's fine, right? On a storytelling level, though, it is kind of an interesting tidbit that a guy like Stanley Kubrick can really get down with white men can't jump. And I think what it gets to, right? Because I, I was reading a thing the other day with someone talking about, if you watch a lot of genre stuff, right? Like, I watch a lot of horror movies. Right. The ones that don't work or bore you is because there's no real world conflicts, right? Right. So if it's just like, a family and a oh, monsters eating them. But if it's a family, it's like we're on the verge of divorce, right? Like imagine what would that horror movie look like? If you took out the scary shit, would it still work as a story? Would it be engaging at all? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. If yeah. it does. Cool. This movie would still be about just the destruction of these men's <laughs> lives. They cannot get right. ahead. I mean, right? this it's almost over the top, like where it's like these, fucking hapless dinguses putting it all on the line i mean for this movie is a little bit of best at the there. very beginning this movie is very uncut gems it's two guys yeah. who can knock it out of their own ways and if you take the, the only difference it, is yeah the only difference is, is at the end of the movie when adam sandler gets shot i'm like yeah yeah that's all right that yeah that yeah. guy sucks right in this yeah. movie you actually like the two dinguses Right, exactly. But if you take that basketball part out, if you take the genre thing out, so to speak, from White Men Can't Jump, you still have a movie about two people who are addicted to winning or losing in a lot of cases. Uh, well, this that, could have been a gambling movie. You could have actually used yeah, the mafia. This could absolutely. have been, you know, two former high school buddies that just are financially tight. That's what I mean. I think this shit just works in there that the cast is so good. Yeah. But the basketball is just this extra. It's 
it's the icing on the cake in this movie. Definitely. I agree. And what a good icing it is. What a time. Yeah. I never make five in a row. (laughs) I love that shit. (laughs) All right, guys, that's it. Uh, White men cannot jump unless they're Mary Sue's. Yeah, that's unless the they unless they break up with their girlfriends right before. Yeah, unless they cheat, and they they have some extra script writing Which, help. Actually, uh, Woody Harrelson did cheat. He they gave him a nine and a half foot hoop rather than the ten and ten foot hoop. Uh, nine and a half is still good. That's a half of that's six. Very good. Different. Still, cheat. I mean, as a guy who once dug a tennis ball, that six inches is a big difference. All right, <laughs> that's the end of it for basketball exploits. Uh that's the end. The pod has no more March Madness, guys. I hope you enjoyed our dive into the world of uh, basketball cinema. We'll be back next month for a very exciting curation. Uh, The pod goes to court. These are movies uh, that take place in courts, whether they be dramas or horrifying journeys or deals with the devil. So, yeah, the pod goes to court next month. Super excited for that. Again, please leave us a rating and review. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Email us at philmalchemistpod at gmail.com and follow us on all your social medias. Get a hold of us. uh, Let us know what you want to hear us talk about. And again, thank you for uh, spending a mad march with us. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Dandino.